and welcome to the Re-Re-Read podcast, where we consider what contemporary writers like you and me can learn from classic literature. Today's topic, once again, is the Brothers Karamazov, and we are nowhere near done with this book, but it's awesome, so let's go. The topic is on killing your darlings and letting them rot. Last time we saw Dostoevsky shift from the philosophical, spiritual set piece of the Grand Inquisitor into full-on mystery novel mode. The shift takes place via the consciousness of Ivan, the spiritually tormented intellectual. Ivan is also my candidate for author insert, even though Dostoevsky probably wished he were Alyosha. Ivan's tendency to obsess about matters of good and evil is what leads him into Smerdyakov's trap. Smerdyakov knows Ivan can't resist a moral and spiritual puzzle. He also knows that he himself represents that very kind of puzzle to Ivan. So he lies in wait for him, and then explains how he might have one of his epileptic fits after Ivan leaves town, at the very moment when Dmitri might be coming to the house to do something really terrible to the brother's father, Fyodor. And sure enough, Ivan leaves for Moscow, down Smerdyakov goes, and just as the plot is really heating up, we get umpteen pages on the life of Father Zosima. This is Alyosha's spiritual mentor, here to represent the godly life well-led. What kind of crappy mystery novel is this? Well, I remember reading in some book on writing craft, and I really can't remember the guy's name, he was a screenwriter though, that you should never take readers where they want to go. This is a method for creating suspense, and I suppose Dostoevsky succeeds in that, because I really didn't want to read about Father Zosima at this point, or possibly at any point. Still, as didactic as the section is, it does convey several varieties of religious experience and ecstasy. So it seems to me that one larger purpose of this heavy-handed meanwhile is to further explore the spiritual landscape of Russia. While we gather that the story of the brothers Karamazov takes place in a small provincial town, Dostoevsky is far more concerned with what goes on in people's minds and hearts than with how their daily lives look from the outside. With the brothers Karamazov, he presents a sweeping portrait of Russia, but it is a spiritual landscape, filmed with a special kind of night vision camera. Instead of racing over dunes and forests and mountain passes, like the camera in contemporary epic films, Dostoevsky swoops and dives from one soul into another, from Alyosha to Ivan to Smerdyakov to Zosima, and covers a territory just as vast. So perhaps Dostoevsky's brand of show-don't-tell could be an antidote for our overly visual age. That same book on craft I mentioned earlier says that today's readers expect lots of visual detail because we've been trained by movies and television in ways that readers from previous eras were not. But maybe writers can overdo the visual, or else feel compelled to focus on it, neglecting the wild terrain of the inner landscape. For Dostoevsky, God and the human heart are intertwined mysteries, so it makes sense that the ostensible plot is about searching, wondering, fastening on clues, and chasing down false leads, and being desperate for answers. We literary writers could do well to revisit various forms of genre fiction. Science fiction, fantasy, romance, detective, horror, thriller, etc., with an eye to how these plots might lend themselves to various big questions. Personally, I find the juxtaposition of genre and anti-genre, if you will, in Brothers Karamazov quite bracing. But there's more to learn from the Zasima section. It shows us how to depict religious ecstasy in a convincing manner. Zasima, his professed atheist brother, and a local dignitary who's wrestling with a secret crime, all come to realize and exalt in the interconnectedness of all beings. Zosima's vision is humanistic, by which I mean he believes heaven and hell are ultimately provinces of the human heart. 
The greatest joy comes when we sense our own hearts opening to reveal infinite love for all creation, the heaven that is contained within each of us. We are all capable, temporarily, of love on this divine scale. Such ecstatic moments are always fleeting, perhaps because the heart can't bear such joy for long without exploding, or maybe because, as Dostoevsky makes explicit in The Brothers Karamazov, the human vessel is literally corrupt. Now we discover yet another reason for the long digression on Zasima's life. Dostoevsky has set him up in order to bring him down, way down. Writing teachers tell us not to protect our characters, especially those we love and admire the most, and here Dostoevsky complies by causing Zosima's body literally to stink. First, the ailing monk passes away, somewhat peacefully, but not without significant pain, surprising both Alyosha and the reader. Like Alyosha, we're expecting God and or the author to grant this saintly man a painless death. But then things get even worse. There's a general belief on the part of the monks and the townspeople that God does not allow the corpses of holy men to rot. As Zosima's body is laid out and viewed, everyone looks forward to witnessing the miracle of his physical preservation, and then someone suggests they open a window. Zosima's body is rotting, and even faster than expected. This brings cynical delight to all who like to see great men cut down, and it devastates Alyosha, not because he wanted to see a miracle, but because he can't understand why God would humiliate his faithful servant in such a gruesome manner. Of the corruption, Dostoevsky says, I should, of course, have omitted all mention of it in my story if it had not exerted a very strong influence on the heart and soul of the chief, though future hero of my story, Alyosha, forming a crisis and turning point in his spiritual development, giving a shock to his intellect, which finally strengthened it for the rest of his life and gave it a definite aim. And this is why authors should imitate Dostoevsky and his God. They must bring the mighty, especially the morally mighty, low. You need not be cruel. You do not want readers like the cynical townspeople and monks who like to see goodness punished for their own gratification. But there is nothing more human than corruption in the larger sense, and nothing more challenging to faith and love. You need to give some genuine shock to the intellect and emotions of your characters to strengthen them and give them definite aims. That's how they become real literary heroes.